these two mornings I actually want to talk about something over the two, which I think is important to tackle and is um, probably a little bit different. I, I want to talk about what is a pastor. Okay, what is a pastor? A leader. Yeah, there we go. And, and there, there'll be all sorts of ideas about what a pastor is. So I thought, well, this is one of those ones. Because actually, <clears throat> one of the things I want us to experience is the fullness of God. Okay, so in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells very clearly that God gives gifts to his church so that we might experience the fullness of Christ. And this is, this is our desire, the leadership of this church, that, that actually you can all individually and corporately we can together experience all that God has for us. And you know what? The good thing about that is it's not a limited commodity. It's ever-increasing. But in order to do that, God has given gifts to the church of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay? And... Um, I think we've, you know, we've tried to, to, to clarify what we think an apostle is, uh, what prophet is, and one of the things we've been doing with you is, is actually about evangelism. Is actually that some of the series on, on that we've been talking about how do we reach the world that we're in, and, and look, talk, looking at this book called uh, When Helping Hurts to actually understand how are we meant to reach the world, which is actually the evangelistic part, and then how do we teach, but also what is a pastor, and it's. In many ways, pastors become a title, hasn't it? And um, how many times do you think it occurs, the word pastor actually occurs in the Bible? Anybody going to give a guess? Twice. Any advance on twice? Anybody think it's more than twice? Anybody think it's less than twice? The answer is once. The word, the word pastor is only comes through once in, in the, in the, certainly in the New International Version, I think in the New American Standard as well. But it's actually trans, it's from a word that is translated 16 or 17 other times in the New Testament by the word shepherd. Okay, so the word is, is Greek word is poime, I think that's a, I'm not very good on my Greek, but it's P-O-I-M-E, although I know that's not Greek, so whatever the Greek letters are, but, but, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that the only place that that word is translated pastor is, is in Ephesians chapter 4. Everywhere else it's translated as shepherd. Okay? So, so what is a pastor? A pastor is a shepherd. So that makes it a little bit easier. But not many people put shepherd Pete up on their door. <laughs> they don't. They just don't do it. You think, what are you? I'm a shepherd. This is my name. I'm Shepherd Pete. <laughs> and, and, actually, this is, we don't have many rules in this church. In fact, we don't have any, but one is, I, I do not like being called Pastor Pete, okay? So, just, um, so, so, I'm Pete, and I'm just Pete. And, and, when, please don't introduce me as this is our pastor. Um, uh, now, in one sense it can be true, but actually, I think actually the word is more a verb than a noun. Okay, now it's interesting. It's translated as a noun in the New International Version, but if you go to the New American Standard, it's actually translated as a verb. Interesting. Okay. What does a shepherd do? He shepherds. He shepherds. Okay, so that's, that's what... And um, who's, who's, the, who's the great shepherd? 
Jesus. Okay, so, as in all the other four ministries, apostles, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, Jesus is the model. Okay? So if you want to know what a good shepherd looks like, then Jesus is the one you look to. And so we're going to look at that. And all other shepherds are under-shepherds. Okay? Of the great shepherd. So if I make you more connected to me than him, then there's something wrong. Okay? You would be, aren't you? I like you. <laughs> no, it's a back. It's fine. So, and, but it's interesting is, is even in, you know, some churches that we would associate with, everybody gets called, anybody who's a leader is called a pastor, this, that, or the other. You're thinking, that's a strange idea. Just, uh, just throwing it out there. It's, it's one of those th- things that have become a part of Christianity that's just a sort of a label and a, a title. It's also almost become something that you can sort of just aspire to as a position. I am now a pastor. And the other thing that, broadly speaking, is that the, the, the fivefold ministries are given by God to equip the saints for the works of service so that everybody can do it. So actually, who can be pastoral? Everybody. Everybody should be pastoral. Okay? Just like everybody should be apostolic. Now that's a little bit of a shock. I think I thought I have to be an apostle to be apostolic. No, you have to be apostolic. Because that's what the fullness of Jesus looks like. Because Jesus, Jesus is the apostle. Yeah. So if you want to be like him, then you be apostolic like he was. The job of apostles is to make you, enable you to be apostolic. Yes. It's not a, again. It's not. This is not a, a label to have on the door. Apostle Pete. Yeah. Got promotion from pastor or shepherd. I, I'm Apostle Pete. I've really made it now because I'm the top of the pile. The apostle's the top of the pile. That's the one. That's what. That's what I can aim for. Because you, I, I want to tell you, you cannot make yourself one of these things. It's only God who makes people. This. They are gifts to God's people. So that every one of us can be fully apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, able to teach, and pastoral. Those are the five things that, that, that actually, in one sense, can uh, um, describe, in, in biblical terms, the fullness of Jesus. So every one of us should aspire to be all those five things. And it really drives me wild. This is a little bugbear. I'm going to get off. So I'm going to get a few things off my chest today. So okay, when somebody says, "Oh, that's he's not really pastoral," well, now what most people mean by that is that he's not being nice to me at the moment, <laughs> or, or he's not meeting my needs as I would expect him to do so. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to deal with some of that. Is that okay? You're still with me? Nobody's left yet, so we're doing all right. Okay. I have the mic, as they say. So I'm going to, let me read a couple of passages out of the New Testament um, that talk about shepherds. Okay. So there are obviously references to shepherds in, in the Gospels, 
Um, but there are two passages outside of the Gospels that actually talk about this in some degree of detail. Um, most of the references within the Gospels you find within um, parables or, or uh, analogies where Jesus says these are like sheep without a shepherd. And, um, so, but to actually describe what shepherds do, you actually need to look at two passages. One's in Acts chapter 20 and one's in 1 Peter chapter 5. So we're going to I'm going to read those out. So Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 28. And this is in the New International Version, okay? So it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now this is when Paul is talking to the elders from Ephesus. He calls the elders from the Ephesian church to be with him. And he's got, this is what he's going to say to them. Because actually he's, he's going to tell them in a little while that you're not going to see me again. This is, this is my last message to you. This is what I'm going to tell you. This is really important, okay? I'm not going to see you again, so this is important for you. So he gathers the elders of the church together. So those are the people who lead and direct the affairs of the church. And he says this, keep watch over yourself. So who have you got to keep watch over first? Yourself. Who's responsible for you? You are. Okay, this is another fallacy of pastoral life that actually he's responsible for your spiritual health. Or she. They're not. You are. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. That's that word, be pastors. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now that's quite a strong language, isn't it? This is Paul saying, this is important, listen to me. And then it goes on and says, and then you're not going to see me again, and then they have a cry together and he leaves. In the New American Standard Version, it says this, um, be, be, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. That's where the verb comes in, to shepherd them rather than to be shepherds. Okay, so then in 1 Peter chapter 5, the New International Version says this, to the elders among you, I, I appeal as a fellow elder. Now, that's interesting. So, Peter is an apostle and an elder. Okay? A witness of Christ's sufferings and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. That's really important. Okay? A shepherd is not somebody who will lord it over you. Or shouldn't be. But being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So there's a chief shepherd, that's Jesus. In the New American Standard Version, it says, actually, shepherd the flock of God amongst you. Again, it uses it as a verb rather than a noun. Okay. So, I want you to imagine you're a shepherd. Okay? And you have a flock of sheep. What's the most important thing you can do for that flock? Guard them. Keep them safe. Okay? It's all very well leading them to a nice place of pasture with lovely lush grass where they can munch away, but actually wolves are free to roam amongst them. Okay? So the most important thing a shepherd will do will be guard his flock. Okay? So who can think of an example of a shepherd in the Old Testament? David. Okay. 
Well, there's a nice guy. (laughs) Not at all warrior-like. So what do we know about David's shepherding techniques? Not much, apart from... Kills the lions and the bears that come along. Okay. (laughs) And in this passage, particularly that's chapter 20, it says one of the things that you need to do, as shepherds, is watch out for danger. Okay, so here's a little tip. Don't be nice to wolves. I'll say that again. Don't be nice to wolves. So here's a little caveat. Pastors or shepherds are not always nice. (laughs) Somebody who is nice to a wolf is not a good shepherd. A really bad shepherd. That is not a good example of pastoral care to be nice to wolves. In actual fact, it's an example of bad pastoral care. The job of a shepherd is to enable his sheep to live safe and healthy. Now, from time to time, a sheep might get ill or injured or something, then he will tend to that. Okay, But the purpose is not to run around every sheep making sure that their legs are still working and cutting the grass with a pair of scissors and feeding it into their mouths. <laughs> Healthy sheep feed themselves. <laughs> I'm warming to my task, okay. <laughs> it drives me balmy when people say... That's pastoral and that's not pastoral when you're guarding your flock. I don't know how many times I've been accused of not being pastoral. People say, that's because Pete's primarily an apostle. Well, maybe I am. But I'm going to be a shepherd of this flock, I tell you. And I will guard it fiercely with my life. This is my promise to you, okay? And promise the elders of this church who are the overseers, we will guard this environment fiercely from anything that presents a danger to it. And, and, and sometimes when we do that, it is very easily misunderstood. Within this last year, we have had to confront some issues with people who tried to come into our environment and actually posed a severe danger actually to this flock. We don't make it publicly known, but we will address the issues. And if people change, then that's fine, then they fit in, and that, that's good. But if they don't, then actually those people usually make an exit because we won't allow them to be wolves here. Okay. They usually then fling some mud at us as they go, because one of the things that a wolf will try and do is separate the sheep from the shepherd. It's the tactic, isn't it? 
You can see it, you can see it in, in, you know, lions or, you know, predators amongst prey. When they get amongst a, a big group, they, what they try to do, what they always try to do? Isolate one. And they try and isolate the, the, the vulnerable ones. And what they try and do is take them away from the main body of the flock so that they then got them. And one of the biggest, most obvious ways you can, you can distinguish when this is going on is when distrust for leadership is sown into your life. It's a big deal. Little morsels of gossip that come in. Little, little words. And it doesn't normally start with the big stuff, it starts with the little stuff. Just little seeds of distrust that are sown into your life. Also, anything that will distance you from Jesus and make you dependent upon another person is also very dangerous. And a lot of people come along, and there's a lot of this evident in Christianity, and I know this from a medical perspective as well, that I'm very wary of what I call codependency within, within uh, pastoral or church sort of care stuff, where... where you continually need a person's help to try and be healthy. That's not healthy. Okay? And I want to tell you this. I, I like inner healing, okay? But the purpose of inner healing is to get you healthy. Not so that you need more inner healing. And there's stuff out there, and I'm just, this is a, I'm protecting this environment from this. I'm, the stuff out there that actually is trying to measure Christian maturity by ever increasing levels of inner healing. It's out there, in, broadly speaking, in Christianity, and I just want to say, that's not coming in here. Okay, because inner healing is so that you can be healthy and then you can live your dreams and visions and fulfill your potential. Okay? That, this is, and this is, the, this is the whole point. Pastors are meant to create a safe environment where you can fulfill your full potential. They, pastors, shepherds, whatever we like to call them, shepherds is a better word, let's, let's face it, are meant to create an environment that enables a healthy community to live and develop to its full potential, to come to full maturity. And one of the, one of the, the, the biblical marks, uh, of maturity is the ability to distinguish good from evil. Don't you that? So if, if basically, I want you to be able to spot a wolf. Yeah? And amongst yourself, you say, hello, excuse me, no, that, that, no, that's not coming in here. Because ultimately, we need to, we all need to guard this environment, don't we? We, we all got to take responsibility for this environment, so, so actually, because, because I don't see everything that goes on. None of us leads it, but actually you do. So actually, you need to be aware. And I had a beautiful story this week, actually, um, of how this works in practice. And it was somebody actually, not, not in this church, um, it was actually related to me by uh, one of our daytime students, um, and it's not confidential anything, she just said that, that she, there was a, she was starting to do a bit of behavior, and she was driving in a car with somebody, and one of the other students said, look, I, I felt uncomfortable with that. <laughs> It, it didn't quite fit. And you know what? She, she gently steered her back into a right place because she was actually starting to take some stuff off in the wrong direction. Now, it wasn't wolfish, you know, but, it was, but where does it start? And we have this, 
we have a responsibility for one another because actually the biblical concept of community is one another. So how many times do you think one another occurs in the New, in the New Testament? A lot. Okay. Oops. So, shall I tell you what you're meant to do to one another? That'd be right. Value one another. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Well, that's not bad, is it? How much do you value each other? Now, do you value each other to actually correct each other? One of the worst phrases that you can tell somebody is, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I saw that happening a mile off. What? And you never did anything about it. That's not being responsible. Is it? That, that is not being responsible. You're meant to speak the truth in love. So part of loving one another is the ability to speak the truth. And you need to build sufficiently good relationships that actually you can bear the truth. Spoke lovingly. Not in the judgment, because it's, it says here, next one is don't judge. Don't judge one another. So this is not passing judgment on one another. Right? But the ability, and this is, this is, a, this is what I think is a, a great pastoral community for that sense, is, is the ability to help one another and, 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 and keep ourselves on track. Not because I'm fearful of going wrong, because I want to be able to fulfill all the potential that God has placed within us. Okay? So, so one of the other things that you can, you can judge when we're slightly off track is when fear starts to guide you rather than faith. Okay? Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Okay? So when, when fear starts to, to be a guiding factor in, in any area of church life, something's wrong. <clears throat> and we need to bring it back. And what, what gets rid of fear? Perfect love casts out all fear. Now that, that we will pr- find primarily from our connection to the Good Shepherd. Because He is perfect love. So, so, so this is, this is my model of pastoral care. I will always drive you back to Jesus. Now it doesn't mean to say I'm not going to neglect you, because I'm going to love you at the same time, but I can't love you like He loves you. And I, I'm not, with you 24-7, but he has placed somebody inside you 24-7 who is the comforter, who is the teacher, who is the prince of peace, and he can. So if I can drive you to him, you've got all you need. That, that is proper care. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean say, now, within that, I know God has put us in a community of believers and we love one another because we love God, love one another. And this ability, and then, how will the world know that we're his disciples? By the way, we love one another. And then I believe we should put this most amazing community on display that people say, how do you become part of that? How do you become part of such a community? That? So how about this? Accept one another, instruct one another, agree with one another. Now, I know we say we don't always gather around agreement, but there are certain things you have to agree about. Is Jesus God? So if I got up here and told you that Jesus isn't God, then we would have a problem, wouldn't we? Well, you, hopefully you'd stop listening at that point and, or, or, or uh, try, 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 and counter, try and counter me. Um, serve one another. Be kind to one another. How about this? Speak to one another. 
So, <laughs> just about communication. I tell you, one of the great things of church leadership is this: is, fun, is the fun of communication. I remember one time when we had communicated one thing we thought was really important for, in five different ways. I can't remember what those five were, but Liz and I counted them. You know, email, verbal, some others. We done we done it on the website. Da 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 da, and we saw people say, "Oh, I never knew that was happening." <laughs> I know we don't pick up everything, but actually listen as well to what's going on and speak to one another. But also, <laughs> don't judge, because we do miscommunication, don't we? And none of us are, none of us are perfect. I, I do not claim to be perfect. The only promise I generally give people when they join this church is that at some stage I'll let you down. <laughs> That's true. That's about the only guarantee I can give you. At some stage, I will let you down. Because I'm not perfect. The other side of the equation is that at some stage you'll let me down and as long as we work that out in relationship we'll be fine. This is not a perfect church, okay? I don't think there is one. But we're doing our best. So, speak, encourage one another. Oh, man, that's so important. Be good news to each other. Be really good news to each other. You've got something good going on? Tell somebody. Why are we always so good at sharing the bad news? Find a group of British people talking, and there's a pretty certain, there's a reasonably certain bet that they're gathered around something that's negative rather than positive. But people's conversation generally goes around. It was interesting when we had the, when we had the Olympic Games, how that changed the whole atmosphere of the nation, because actually everybody was talking about good news for two weeks. It's the power of good news. We need to make sure that that power is within here. And it generally is. But actually, you've got something good. Share it with people. How do you believe what God did for me this week? Wow. I want to hear it. Encourage one another. Submit to one another. Wow. Oh, dear, that word. I think I'll come on to that next week. I haven't got enough time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That, that has become a bad word, isn't it? It's a biblical word. So we need to get the biblical truth out of it so we get the goodies back. Because it actually tells you that the wisdom from heaven is submissive. So submission is actually a part of heaven's culture. The three members of the Godhead submit to one another. So we need to get the goodness of that back because that has become a, a word that has, has become tainted and it's lost its impact so we need to understand how submission authority comes together in a healthy way so next next Sunday morning part of that okay you're going to be here aren't you I know okay I'm, I'm, I'm getting there there's a lot more to do so we'll pick this up next week how about this forgive one another how quick are you to forgive be really quick really really quick because you know one of the reasons why because that's about your connection to the Good Shepherd. One of, the, one of the quickest ways you can damage your connection, not from his point of view, but from, is actually but unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will isolate you very, very, very rapidly. And it, it allows wolves to come and get you. <clears throat> Spur on one another. Do not slander. Offer hospitality. Sunday lunch for Beth and Tim. Just going to say that. 
Tim, Tim, bless him, he comes up from... Actually, if, if, if he doesn't get hospitality, what, what he's got to think about is, is the... Because he wants to come to both meetings, is the five hours between... That's what he's thinking about, isn't it? It's actually what he's going to do for five hours. And actually, just by offering him a lunch will enable this young man, who is a great young man, to actually fulfill what he wants to do, which is be part of this great community. Just a simple thing, offer hospitality to somebody. Could you do that? Seek him out. Please, find him. Find Vicky. She'll put, put, but they're two fantastic young people who have given her all to be here. And actually, one of the best ways that you can help them connect is, is by giving them a meal. Off, you know, a coffee. Have them around for an evening, something like that. It's, it's, it's fantastic. That, that's how community works, isn't it? And please do it to one another as well, not just the ones that we highlight. But please, please, please be, be good. And hospi- I want to just say this. Hospitality doesn't need to be expensive. Because that is one thing that can stop you thinking. That, hospitality is about giving somebody else your time. And even if it's just going for a walk with somebody, that can be hospitable. It doesn't have to be a three-course slap-up meal. You might say, I'm no good at hospitality because I can't cook. doesn't matter. Buy a pizza. Get them for a... <laughs> Buy a... You can get them for a pound. <laughs> Slap it in the microwave. Most of us can manage that. You know? <laughs> and share it. Do you know that, that, that hospitality is sharing your life with somebody else, and that generates community. And if you're new, in, if you're new to this environment, and I know a number of you are, then... One of the best ways I suggest that you get in is actually also offer hospitality. Don't just wait for others to befriend you. Friendship has to be, be initiated both ways. And we will try our best, and we, we, you know, we've got connect groups and this sort of thing. But if you think, yeah, I'm new here, go out of your way to offer yourself to other people. Okay? And then there's one, uh, one other. No there's, no, there's more than one other. I'll come to them next Sunday. Okay. Shall we pray? Yeah. Look at that. I'm landing on... Oh, 12.16, I'm a minute over, sorry. <laughs> Let's thank Jesus that he's the good shepherd, shall we? Wow. Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd. That you oversee our souls in such an amazing way. Thank you that we can trust you with everything. But also thank you that you've placed us in a community which is your church, your body. Father, we... We ask that we would reflect the Good Shepherd in the way that we generate community. Jesus, we want to be like you in all your fullness. So Holy Spirit, come and flood us again, we pray, and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Amen.